everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Heartland Franchise Guy, your insider's guide to all things franchising in the local area. I'm Blake Martin, local small business franchise owner and your Heartland Franchise Guy. This is the place for advocacy, resources, and education on all things entrepreneurship and franchising in the local area, and it's a great place for any entrepreneur to stop by if they're just wanting to learn more about the franchising industry. Our guest today is Gary Prenovo, who is going to tell us a little bit about a recent book he's written and his experience in Canadian franchising. Gary, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure, Blake. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you're one of those folks that I have to actually look down at my sheet to give even a brief summary of your resume. So (laughs) that's what I'm going to do here for a minute. You're a master franchisee. You're a franchise consultant and author of the new book, The Unstoppable Franchisee. And a Canadian franchising guru, because you've been at it for quite a while and know a thing or two about how to bring a franchise and grow a franchise in Canada, correct? Yes, and and uh, I'm in my, I believe, 13th year on the board of the Canadian Franchise Association. Congratulations on that, and thank, thank you for you. your service. Thank you. Absolutely. So before we get into a conversation about this incredible book that you've written and recently released, tell me a little bit more about what's your professional background that led you to where you are today? Well, I I got my um, early career in banking uh, with one of Canada's largest banks, a turnaround specialist for underperforming branches. And after seven years of doing that, I realized the the bank, as good a box as it is, it's a very tight box, that corporate box that I always felt like that contortionist, that I'm stuck inside this thing. And I realized that corporate Canada wasn't for me, Blake. And so I, I left that. I got into business with my dad and my brothers in a um, live and artificial tropical plant business. We became Toronto's third largest interior scraper. But huh. I also realized that family business was, um, and start from scratch, wasn't where I I was one of my customers was a franchise, so I was recruited over to them and started as a as selling franchises. Then bought my own franchise within a year, and uh, eventually, seven years later, took it over with my ex partner, and um, that got me into franchising. Wow, Two, that's an interesting road. I bought Frannet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're a Frannet franchisor, which is the franchise right. consultancy that you're. Did you did you know me like? Before you got into corporate America, before you started your career, were you that person that always thought you might be an entrepreneur? Um, I had a paper route when I was age six, and I had one of the largest paper routes in Toronto when I was 13. So I started as an entrepreneur, and I was looking for something else. Um, in my part-time, many part-time jobs I had, nobody gave me enough hours, so I got more work. So long answer for a yes, I was always going to do something on my own. Are you telling us that you did hostile takeovers of other paper boys? (laughs) (laughs) Consolidation? (laughs) That's a really interesting story. And it's amazing how many people I talk to, I mean, in our general age group, when there was was still paper boys, how many people who got into entrepreneurship who started as a paper boy? In fact, there's that or or Dickie D, ice cream bicycles. Oh, ice cream bicycles. I like it. Yeah. Now you got me hungry. We're going to have to wrap this podcast up quickly. Well, thanks for sharing that background. Very interesting, very unique. So, and this all led to a lot of learning experiences and you have recently written The Unstoppable Franchisee. What are the main takeaways that you're hoping readers get 
from this book? Well, I, so so in in coming to the book, I was for several years. I was one of Franet's top franchisees, and I was constantly looking at not only our franchise system, but other a lot of the brands that we represent. What do the top people do that the rest don't or won't? And I I, I was always wondering: is it something that's endemic in the system, and that there's these natural barriers, or and so I, I couldn't have an answer. So I came up with a bunch of different questions as to why. And as I started drilling into the um, to the questions, I was able to interview over 30 different CEOs of some very large franchise systems, some mid-sized, fast-growing. Then I interviewed top franchisees, like the top 1% of these franchise systems as franchisees. People are making more money than than most people can even dream about. And they're having very balanced and successful lives doing it. Um, so I found seven common things that were consistent across most franchises. And what was really unique for your audience is that five of the seven of them aren't relative to franchise. They're relative to any business. So, so that was really unique. The two that are unique to franchising are mastering the system. In other words, following the franchise or systems and processes. Mm -hmm. And the interdependence between franchisor and the franchisee base and franchisees amongst within that base, um, that was one of the biggest surprises in my research of how strong that it was among top performers and how underutilized it was amongst middle and lower performers. So that was that was unique to the franchise model. But I, from the, the question specifically around takeaways from the book, um, there are seven core drivers of any business um, so uh, first one is mindset. I think mm -hmm. in mindset, there's lots of books written about it, um, but it's, it's a gross mindset is specifically not the glass half empty, the glass is half full. Um, and mindsets can be adapted. That's one of the big things that I, I, I really saw in my research was how people progressively and incrementally shifted their mindset once they were open to doing so. That was fascinating. Um, and, and from there, every, so that's my central, that's my central component because every, it affects every other driver. Um, then awareness is, um, people think about being aware. We're, we're naturally aware. We're genetically programmed to be aware for our human DNA and our, our safety. But how do you break that down into your internal awareness inside, like inside your own head mindset's part of that. What about are you living in a comfort zone or are you constantly redefining your comfort zone? Um, what about the next level of internal um, awareness is in your business, what you and your staff see, but the customers don't. And, and mm -hmm. a lot of people don't ask their staff to look at the, or try to look at their business through the staff's eyes or through the customer's eyes. So, so awareness internally, then externally, what the customers and the market forces are. So I think that those two are really, really important um, as a foundation for future growth. So those and, come before all the other core principles, so to speak. Well, that's that's driver one and driver two. Um, but I, I specifically put them in the first two because from there it's, it creates a foundation. But some you're going to run into entrepreneurs who they, they've got a really good mindset. They're very aware. They don't need to start there. So any of the seven drivers, it uh, anybody can take their... Um, their business and start using, let's say it's driver number uh, four on improving your leadership skills and growing your people, mm -hmm. then they can start there and wherever their biggest challenges are. So coming back to the awareness, the workbook that comes with this, that I, I included with the book is it gets them to do this self-assessment so they can then 
after reading the book, start applying the information and starting to make change. So this is an interactive reading experience per se. This is something where you're giving folks a tool, the action items, to then actually implement what they're learning from the book. Yeah, think think of a couple of books that you've read. I, some of my early books, uh, Think and Grow Rich, um, Good uh-huh. to Great. Um, I can I don't think I can even open my good uh, my my th- thinking real rich book anymore because they've been written on so many times. <laughs> you know, you 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 read it the first time, you get something out of it, you go and apply it, and then you figure that out, you operationalize that. Okay, what next? So, I wanted it to be an evergreen type of book that people will keep on coming back to, and what is the next thing I need to do? What is the next thing? So that workbook, um, and it's a digitally PDF fillable workbook that comes with the book. So yeah, I want people to get the information, whichever tidbit or nugget that they can apply now, go and start applying it and then come back to the next one. Where will people find the book? Um, Amazon is probably the best place. Uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, it's on their websites. Um, the It's a March 7th release on Amazon. I think uh, in Barnes and Noble, I saw an April release. So it's literally where next week is when it's out. Yeah, so because we're in 2023, so March yep. of 2023. Well, congratulations on that. I mean, that's that's uh, that's not an easy climb to to get on those platforms, is it? No, it no, just happen it, overnight. It, well, this, this, this you, know, you know, for anybody wanting to write a book, get a publisher. Don't self-produce. Uh, <laughs> it's there's lots of people say self-produce is a lot less expensive, but it's there's way more that a publisher does. So make versus um, buy. Yeah, yeah. What I think one of the other going back to the key takeaways the the last driver is is uh, growing your neural network in other words kpis i think so many i came across so much of this in my research that most business owners don't understand enough about kpi or at all about kpi and and think about uh, going through a cave with a blindfold on with no lights like it's that's a double blind right and that's how they're running their businesses so inf- yeah. KPI is information, and you don't need a lot of them. You need the right one. So that's really important. So those top performers that you've interviewed, they're not just collecting KPI, but they're collecting the right ones, and they know what to do with those key performance indicators. Y- yes, and uh, absolutely. And um, their their employees know what KPI those employees are accountable and responsible for. Mm. When I was doing the, the, the research on the leadership chapter, um, servant leadership was a big component of it. And that servant leadership, my, my staff are mo- my most important repeat customer. Think about that. Oh, wow. My, I like that. My staff are my most important repeat customer. Most owners think of staff as a resource to be uh, consumed or uh, manipulated or whatever other word you want to attach to it. But it's... They don't think of their employees as a repeat customer. You can, see my, you can see my hand. I'm writing that down right now. Yeah. So, so that was uh, fascinating to see how they did it. Um, but it comes back to part of that is trusting um, the, the employees with the information, not just here's what your goals are. Here's what our goals are and here's how you fit into it. Mm-hmm. Circle back to, I mean, you talked about it a little bit, but... You'd, you've been in the franchising industry for a long time. You've done a lot of different things. You just kind of described how you got into it, and then you've done all kinds of things, been on the 
Canadian Franchise Association board for 13 years and been a franchisee and a master franchisee. What made you decide that now was the time that this book needed to be written? Um, I can tell you the day that I made that decision was December uh, tw- uh, 27th, uh, 2019. Um, I originally started writing a book on how to buy a franchise in 2013. Then I bought a master franchise and kind of derailed that. I look over to Lindsay on December 27th and said, I think it's time for my book to, to come out. She looks at me and goes, uh-huh, okay. And that was it. <laughs> but, um, but we talked a lot more about it. But why was, I'd spent several years, going back to what I said earlier on, I spent several years looking at what do top people do and the rest don't. I kept on that question, keep on coming back. Why, mm-hmm. why, or why not? And is it is it unique to our industry or is it, why hasn't they, is it something that it's each industry deal, deals with their own? Um, and there was a lot of questions, but not enough answers. So I went hunting for an answer. And one of my lawyer friends challenged me. He said, Gary, if you can find the invisible thread that's ubiquitous across most franchise brands, you're onto something. So I went looking for the invisible thread, like not knowing if I had a book or not, but uh-huh. I'm pretty sure I did. And I found seven instead of one since the seven drivers. Fascinating. And, and so, by the way, you were interviewing and analyzing franchise businesses across all different industries, correct? Different industries, different size of industries, private equity owned or founder owned. Um, I, you know, there, there's no way you can cover all the industries, but you get enough of the, uh, of the categories. And then those were the formal interviews and all the informal interviews I had afterwards. You know, it took two years to write this book and another eight months of refining it. Which was harder, the two years or the eight months? The two years, definitely. Yeah, yeah. The eight months was taking the word raisers out and which cuts cut from where. <laughs> That's the editor <laughs> and the, the uh, publicist job. So speaking of a razor, how, what have you changed in running your business as a result of what you learned from this book? Um, more focus on um, the, the critical few elements. Um, I've narrowed down, I, uh, you know, people who know me would accuse me of having shiny penny syndrome where like, I, I love <laughs> trying new things. So experimenting less and focusing on key elements of what drives um, the results. That's very Experiment, Experimenting is a natural part of running a business, it's even in a franchise focusing on the core and experimenting around the edges. Well, some years I would not spend too much time looking at the core and I would spend most of my time on the edges looking backwards as I did this research. Yeah, that's why that didn't work. And that's how much money that costs you. So <laughs> I started following the system more. Yeah. Speaking of systems and learning, I'm going to segue a little bit into another area of expertise for you. And that is you've helped been a big part of a lot of franchise systems expanding into or expanding within Canada, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. What would your word, one or two words of advice be for a franchise system that wants to expand into Canada? What do they need to know that they might not know yet? Uh, they want to make sure that there, there's a couple of things. Supply chain is really important, the consistency of supply chain, um, reliability, uh, regional distribution of that supply chain that's secondary to the the offering and the difference in the Canadian consumer versus the U.S. consumer. 
even if it's almost identical in terms of demographic, what are some of the cultural nuances? So they, they need to invest some time and money in understanding the Canadian consumer. Um, they also uh, need to understand the regional differences. Um, I have a whole, I, I work with U.S. companies to come into Canada. I spend an hour, two hours with them just on strategy calls and understanding, are they even ready to come to Canada? If they are, then I give them some guidelines on how to do that and resources to where to go. Is that the next book? No. <laughs> I haven't decided if the next book is on um, on something for the franchisors and engaging franchisees. Because um, Dan Monahan, who is the chair of the IFA Foundation currently. International uh, Franchise of, Association, yep. for those listeners um, that don't know. Thank you. Uh, he was one of my interviewees. He is also one of my, my uh, mentors. And he said, Gary, you just haven't written a book. You've written an engagement system for franchisors and their franchisees. That's a high compliment. So yeah, it's, it, well, it, it's designed as people self-identify as the franchisees, and they're able to communicate that more effectively to their franchise development coaches. It totally changes that trust relationship and the focus of that relationship. That makes a lot of sense based upon those core drivers that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you've enjoyed your experience as an author and think you might actually replicate it, all, all joking aside. I know I'll rep. I, 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 there's at least three books. Um, this is the first one. There's at least two more. I'm writing a leadership program right now, going back to my training routes. So, yes, there's more to come. You gave me the perfect segue for the final question because you said there's more to come. So we're going to go to the other side of that. You've accomplished a lot, and you're not even close to done. So my question for you is, what do you hope your 80-year-old self says about you? Hmm. He made a difference to a lot of people and left a legacy for the franchise industry to be a better, uh, a better and more open place. Thank you. You're welcome. I wrote, I wrote this book, Blake, you know, when you think about when you help individual franchisees improve their performance, their sales go up, their quality of life goes up, um, their passion for their business goes up. If you get that for each franchisee or the majority of the franchisees in the system, imagine what that does to the royalty stream for the franchisor. Imagine what that royalty stream and revenue does to invest back into the franchise system and the culture change. So I, this is my gift back to the industry. Obviously selfish. There's a lot of there's a lot of elements. I'm going to be doing keynotes and other workshops, sure. but this this is you know the proof will be in the pudding as people read it and embrace it. But I wrote the book to give it back to the industry that's given me so much. And speaking of the opportunities for people to take advantage of um, hearing more from you, how do people get a hold of you, Gary? Uh, well, it's, it's, um, this is a very closely related to my Frannet. So gprenovost at frannet.com, uh, G-P-R-E-N-E-V-O-S-T at F-R-A-N-N-E-T.com. Um, the, my, the Unstoppable Franchisee website will be up in about a month. Okay. Um, so end of, end of March, early April, that'll be, and then on the book and as they buy the book and it just, uh, they'll be able to reach me directly that way. Fantastic. And for our listeners, uh, we always have the QR code 
at the bottom of the screen that you can scan when you're listening to this. That'll get you in touch with us, and we'll be happy to get you in touch with Gary, give you all the contact info, so you don't have to memorize what he said. Although, that was a great spelling. I mean, you've obviously done that before (laughs) with the email address. Gary, thank you so much for investing some time in sharing with us, and all the best of luck as you launch the book and start to see how things unfold to benefit the franchise system as a whole. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure being here. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate it. And thanks to all of you for joining us for another episode of the Heartland Franchise Guy. Remember, don't want you to keep us a secret. If you know anybody that could benefit from this episode or any of the episodes in our archives, please make sure that you subscribe, follow, and share. Like us on YouTube. We want to make sure that you're able to gain benefit from what our wonderful guests have shared with you. So we'll see you all here again soon on another episode of the Heartland Franchise Guy. A Huda Media Production.